Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Sex Wrap. You're here with Spring and Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Spring. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy. Happy New Year. We already had a Happy New Year episode, but we recorded it back in December. So this is our first recording in January episode. (laughs) It's the first time I've actually seen you. I've been chatting with you and texting with you and on the phone with you, but it's really great to actually see you. Your hair looks fabulous and you have a big trip coming up too, right? Yes, I'm going back to Australia tomorrow, when I'm recording this tomorrow, um, to go to a dear friend's wedding and to see some other beautiful people I love so much. I'm so excited. And um, yeah, it feels like, you know, a big, beautiful kickoff to the year for me, which I'm very grateful for. For those of you who don't know, Spring is one of those lucky dual citizens where she can freely freely travel between both Australia, where she's a citizen, and the United States, where she's a citizen. Is is the wedding going to be in Sydney? Um, It's going to be a bit north of Sydney um, at a beautiful property that I don't know anything about except for its beauty. (laughs) And... um, Yeah. I mean, I like how you said I was lucky to be a dual citizen, which I guess I am, but it was also a lot, a lot of work to to get my permanent residency and my citizenship while working in Australia. So um, a little bit of luck, a little bit of work. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if you know this about me, but my partner is also a dual citizen of the UK and the United States, which means I can move to the UK, but I'm not allowed to work for three years. So I don't know exactly what that, like I can get the... (laughs) The, the visa, I think it is, uh, to stay there. Um, but I don't know how I would support myself. So, Ooh. But that's okay. That's like uh, For me, I think it's like there's a big, big, beautiful world, and it's nice to have an exit strategy. So you can go to Australia. <laughs> I can go to the UK. Everyone in both of those places will still mostly speak English, and we can keep recording these episodes, though. <laughs> 12 hours apart. So <laughs> the perfect time. Um, but uh, I'm so excited to be here again with you, Spring, because I, 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 I say to Spring all the time that I love her. When we hang up on the phone and we text, I tell her I love her all the time. Um, and I think starting out this year, it's really important for us to talk about love. And, and uh, something that I'm really interested in is like how we build friendships that are supporting and full of love in a world that tells us sometimes that that's not how it should be. You know... I'm so glad that we're talking about, wait, can you say the title of what we're talking about today? Say it, let it boom out for us. So we're talking about economies of love or love scarcity. I love this. I love this so much. I'm so excited to talk about this. And I think it's great that we're doing this early in the new year because um, 
I don't know if you know the significance of January 8th in the love world. Uh, What is January 8th in the love world? Oh, it is the busiest day of the year on dating apps. January 8th? Yeah, the first Sunday. It's the first Sunday of the new year, yeah. And it's like notoriously the day where um, I think it's just post-holidays and it's like people might feel a little depressed. They're like going into the new year and they're like, I want more love. I want more, um, you know, people around me to be in my life. And that is, that's the day. And, you know, we're recording this right after that date. So um, I think it's the perfect time for us to talk about love scarcity and the love economy. Are you saying that that's like the worst day of the year to probably go on those apps and try to find (laughs) love if everybody's like, well, I guess it's a new year and I'm going to try I think, well, the um, dating app companies have been promoting it at least as the best day because there's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of people responding. There's a lot of people there. So you're going to get some more responses in real time, probably. So, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I would love to like think a little bit more about, you know, um, the feelings that like, you know, take us into the new year and take us into, you know, how we're feeling about our love and relationships around this time. I, I mean, and it's really important for us to think about that. Um, the reason why this is an economies of love or a love scarcity episode is uh, the world has played a really nasty trick on all of us. Right. And, and, and we're going to talk about it and talk about what to do. Um, but we've all been duped into believing that uh, in this scarcity model for love and all it means, like, you know, it makes sense in economics when you're like buying things. Um, there are finite resources, right? There's not an infinite supply of things. And the more competition there is for something, the more valuable it is and the harder we have to work for it. And unfortunately, because we live in these really capitalistic societies, uh, we the, the idea sort of bled into our understanding of emotions and love and intimacy and sex. Um, and it's absolutely not the case, but it's really important for us to think about it because if we look at the world around us, if we look at the media, if we look at Instagram, if we look at rom-coms, emotional pornography, um, all of them say the same thing, is that there's this limited capacity for love, for sex, and for intimacy, right? And we have to fight hard to get it. Well, and it makes sense, you know, if we're living in a capitalistic society where everything around us is trying to sell us something and everything around us is all about, you know, our personal wealth and how much we have at any given moment. And, you know, there's a lot of um, worthiness tied up in that in our societies. Then, yeah, it makes sense that, you know, we start to conflate that or we start to um, think about that in all areas of our lives. Like that's just kind of how we're taught to understand what happens around us. And so, when that's the way of thinking, when that's the predominant mode of thinking, then yeah, that's what we're going to think about our relationships too. We're going to think like, oh no, I've got to find the one. I've got to find this like one person. I've got to like, you know, search for them. And um, I have to like put all my energy to that like one person that I have no idea where they are or who they are or when I'm going to meet them. (laughs) 
that perfect one person, that perfect first kiss, that perfect wedding day, all of these like perfect one-offs, right? Like we've been sold this whole idea our whole lives that there's this perfect soulmate. Um, and certainly you might be in a relationship with someone who you absolutely adore and you might call them your soulmate and congratulations, you're there. Uh, except there are probably a lot of other relationships in your life where you're not getting as much from those as you could, and you're not giving as much to support all of those other people as well. So that's sort of what the scarcity model looks like. And I think one thing that we didn't even really say yet is the word competition, right? And competition is, you know, a main driver in capitalism and in the way that a lot of people think about love, right? Like it pits us against every other person. It pits us against our friends. It pits us against our community, against everyone else that, you know, we should be teaming up with in, in the society in our lives, right? And so when we are working in this mode, we are actually putting ourselves against the world, right? Like we are making ourselves a team of one looking for this one other person and then everyone else becomes competition. Right. Everyone else is the enemy. Everyone stands outside of this one other person. It really creates a, a fragile relationship in a very lonely world for many people, right? So the scarcity model. And we see that all the time. Like if we look, especially, you know, we can look at our parents and our grandparents, um, people who've really been in these long-term relationships. If you really look at them, some of them are loving and supportive and healthy, but there's a lot of fragile, kind of shallow relationships that are held together because of this scarcity model. Um, I also think it's important for us to say real quick, this whole episode sort of sounds like an ad we're selling uh, uh, polyamory we're not like certainly it could be we have a whole bunch of episodes we've done whole months talking about different kinds of relationships that you can be in um but this is not an ad for polyamory this is talking about you and whatever kind of relational status that you want to be in whatever your relationship orientation is um but we want you to be thinking about all of the people in your life that you have loved and who have loved you and that number pretty sure is quite a lot quite quite a lot higher than just one right and so we can use that as evidence to say you know there is not only one person deserving of your love and your life and if you can start there then you're on the right track then you can buy into the rest of our episode, I think. (laughs) So if you can acknowledge that you have loved more than one person in your life, then you're on the right track. You're on the track for starting to get out of the scarcity mode of um, thinking about love and relationships. Uh, I think we should talk for a little bit about all of the problems that come from the scarcity model, but we'll do that right after we get back. Uh, So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back in just a minute. All right, everybody, welcome back. Today, we're talking about love economies, scarcity economies, and how that potentially impacts our love and intimacy and sex and relationships. Um, So we've sort of talked about why they exist and where they sort of come from. I think we should talk a little bit more about the the problem when we apply scarcity models to love and intimacy. And, And we talk about in our episodes all the time about how anxiety and guilt and pressure surrounding sex and love make everything worse. And I think it's pretty safe to say that a lot of that pressure and anxiety come from the scarcity model. If this is the one perfect other person, right? If this is the one perfect person that we're going to be with for the rest of my life, 
my sex has to be great. My intimacy, intimacy has to be great. My gifts have to be great. I have to, everything has to be perfect surrounding them. And that sort of perfection that we've painted ourselves into that perfection corner causes tons of pressure and it can make us really anxious about those relationships as well. And not only does it make you anxious about the relationship, it makes you anxious about your worthiness of being in the relationship. And, you know, I think that's the real like problem there, right? Because when we start to feel unworthy, we actually um, don't have the ability to show up how we want to in our relationships because we are then only acting from that space. And yeah, like when we think that everything depends on each moment. It's like that scarcity mindset, right? Like it's like, oh, I said the wrong thing this one moment, this one time over text. Now that person's going to break up with me, right? And that that's the like stress that comes with that mindset. And it, it feels so real. And you're like, oh my God, I shouldn't have said that. Like now it's all over. And the truth is, nothing ever hinges on like one small thing like that, right? Like it is the collective of who you are and how you respond and um, how you love somebody that really matters. And nobody would like let everything boil down to like one text, right? That that's just silly. <laughs> it, it is silly. Another place where this really comes up when we see it impact people in sex and love is something like erectile dysfunction for men. Like there's a lot of men who have so much anxiety and pressure over having the best possible sex that they all of a sudden don't get an erection. And if you talk to sex therapists and doctors, they'll say the vast majority of cases of erectile dysfunction are mental health related, right? It's because of that scarcity economy of love that puts all of this pressure on us. And then all of a sudden we don't get an erection. And then, you know, that cascades into, oh, the sex wasn't good enough. And now I don't feel good about myself. And oh, I have no self-value or worth. Um, like, so it does impact us in lots of different areas. Um, I, I think another really important place to talk about this, you know, the scarcity model for love is why people stay in unhealthy relationships, right? Like, I Yes, I want to I want to talk about that so much. <laughs> I um you know, it I was thinking about this the other day like about how, you know, in my own life, I have stayed in relationships that were obviously not good for me for too long and it it seems like, you know, but, but there's something good here, but there's something, something valuable to save, you know? And, um, and it seems like I've put so much time into this already. I should like, I should really stick this out. I should really try some more. And I had a friend tell me something that was the most valuable thing I'd ever heard. Um, she said to me, shout out to Laura, Laura said to me, um, you know, spring, I know that like you can see like all this potential. And she said, but can you also see all of the things that are being blocked in your life right now? Can you see all of the negative ramifications that this relationship is causing you? And when she phrased it that way, I was like, 
oh my God. Like, (laughs) yeah, like I was looking at it from the scarcity mindset, right? Like I was like so worried about losing that and like so worried about losing all the time that I had put into it that I couldn't even see like all the things that I could already have in my life if I was out of this relationship. Right. And we're not saying dump every negative relationship in your life. We're saying take that broad look at your relationship and make sure that it's giving you the things that you need to be successful and happy. And you're giving that relationship time and effort too. That sunk cost fallacy though, that Spring was just describing, it's everywhere around us all the time. And I mean, for me, the bad news is we only live once. We're only alive for, you know, a little bit. Uh, and if we're investing energy in fear, right? Like fear of losing something because we believe it's limited rather than seeking something that's plentiful, which it is. Love is plentiful. There's tons of it out there. Um, And we're going to talk about how to get there in just a few minutes as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But but like we need to start talking about love in different ways, right? Love outside of a scarcity model is unlimited. Um, But unfortunately, most of the time people think that I'm only worthy of this one person's love, however much that I can sort of get from them, whether it's through manipulation, control, jealousy, All of these negative emotions inside of relationships are very much based on the scarcity model. Most of the time, people are jealous because I'm afraid that I'm going to lose the limited amount of love that I'm worthy of getting from this one person. And now there's all of this fear that sort of comes out of it as well. Um, When we look at it, it's really kind of scary that the scarcity model for love, based on capitalism, based on the society we live in, based on these horrible romantic comedies we see all the time, um, negatively impacts our emotional state and the way that we're able to connect to other people. And, you know, we're talking kind of about, you know, love very broadly, and we're talking about lots of different relationship models. And I want to say that, like, even people in polyamorous relationships who have more than one partner, like, can have a scarcity model for love, right? And I mean, I was talking about an example for me, and I have another example from a friend who they have been in a relationship that has just been giving them breadcrumbs, like, you know, just barely enough to live on in the love department. And um, they've now been feeling this like deep sense of unworthiness and like unlovability, you know, and, and they are poly and they have other partners and um, it doesn't matter like what your relationship model is. Like you can still get stuck in this scarcity model and yeah, it's, it is like a result of all of these things around us that we're constantly taught and, and of our society. And it's, it's a big deal and it's a big amount of work to like start to shift out of that. And that's, that's what we just want to talk about today. How do we keep doing that? And how do we keep making that choice to shift out of it? Yeah, I mean, and that choice is, is kind of difficult to make. And we're going to really dig into that in just a few minutes. Uh, but changing those perceptions. I think there's a few other negatives we should talk about, though, because I mean, I really want this to hit home because every relationship that you have in your life up until this point, unless you really thought about it, has been negatively impacted if you believe in the scarcity model. Um If you try to control other people or if you are being controlled in a relationship, most of the time that control comes from the scarcity model right? Like that that kind of control. And if you're in a relationship where there's different sorts of emotional manipulation that's going on, or if you're emotion, like I'm manipulating this other person because I want them to focus all of their attention on me and I don't want them to talk to their friends and I don't want them to go home for the holiday. Like all of these are based on that scarcity model, like the kind of games that we see people play, the player and all of these other um, images that we see and these memes that we see on the internet are because people really do believe that 
love is limited and that they're not worth more than what they can get from that one person. And you know what um, Andrew said is if you believe in the scarcity model, but you don't even have to consciously believe in it, right? It's like we just buy into it because that's what we've been taught. It's the norm. And so like, it's not even like, oh yeah, I chose to believe this. It's like, I got stuck believing this. I got, I'm stuck here, right? And that's why it's conscious choice to change out of it. And so it's also like, we're not we're not blaming anybody for like feeling this way or for like being in this model because we all are in this model at some point. Right. And we can fall back into this model at any moment also, (laughs) you know what I mean? And it's like a continuous choice to say like, I don't want to believe this. I don't want to act from this place of fear and anxiety and from feeling like I'm unworthy and from feeling like there's only a tiny bit of love available to me. And, and I mean, right, the world makes it look that way. Um, and I love that. Th- thank you, Spring. It's not a belief, right? It's a system that we're in, right? That we're trying to model our emotional capacities off of how we purchase cheeseburgers. And they're different. And we need to tell ourselves, like, it's really, really different. Neither Spring or I eat cheeseburgers. So, cheeseburgers. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, But at the end of the day, the scarcity model lowers our understanding of love. It lowers our expectation of what love can be. And it gives us lives that are less fulfilling, right? Less fulfilling. And it's not just sexual partners. We're talking about family relationships, friends inside of your life, coworkers, people you just meet when you're walking down the street. Um, You know, I, I hope everybody has had the occasion where they've been out in public and all of a sudden they meet somebody who just fills them with joy. Something lovely and excellent and wonderful happens. And you're like, my day is a little bit better because I was open to that kind of connection and someone made that connection with me. And even though it was fleeting, there's more love in my life. Um, But we're going to keep talking about this. Uh, We have to take another short break, Uh, but we're going to be shifting to what do we do? What's on the other side of the scarcity model? How do we get there? And what does that look like? Thanks for listening, everyone. Be right back. Welcome back to The Sex Wrap. You're with Spring and Andrew. Today, we're talking about love in your life, and we're going to be moving out of that scarcity model into an abundance model mindset, right? So from scarcity to abundance. Um, Our emotions and our capacity to love and be loved are not like economics. They're not like cheeseburgers. They're not like iPods or anything else. AirPods? AirPods. Took me a while to get there. Um, it's, It's really different, right? We have to shift our thinking that there is enough right? There's more than enough. And there's always more. That's what the abundance mindset says about love, right? And when we get our head into that space, and it's hard to get there, right? You have to unlearn however many years old you are worth of this, you know, there's a limited amount, and you have to cling to it, and you have to grasp for it, and you have to fight for it. Um, when, you, when, when you're able to move into that abundance mindset, the stress surrounding love starts to melt away in your life. The, the anxiety that you have about love and intimacy and sexual performance and erectile dysfunction and uh, women who are unable to orgasm, like all of those things starts to decrease. And the pressure surrounding sex and love and intimacy and friendships and relationships decreases as well. And then I love that Spring talked about competition earlier because the competition for love in relationships goes away as well. So all of the negative stuff we were just talking about, all those problems, 
slowly fades away and it leaves like this lovely warm golden haze in your life of better relationships that are more connection and more empathy based uh, where you fulfill fulfilled like your desires your needs your wants um, and just by being in that abundance mindset you are fulfilling other people like you, you are making their lives more rich just by being a human being I was struggling with this um, recently and I talked to my therapist about it and she gave me some advice that was really helpful. And I was talking about um, being in a new relationship and being um, anxious about like, you know, what if it didn't work out because it felt so great and I was so happy, but like I was already ready to like be upset over it. Like what if something happens, you know, like, and, um, that anxiety around like losing this like relationship that's feeling really good is that scarcity mindset. Right. And, um, when I was talking to her about it, she asked me, she said, okay, so, um, if you end up breaking up in three months, like, would it feel worse in that moment of the breakup? If you had allowed yourself to be fully happy now, like if you had not been worrying and just been so happy, like would the breakup feel worse than if you had spent the whole three months worrying? <laughs> and I was like, no, I think the breakup would feel the same. The breakup would feel bad, you know, no matter what. And she's like, well, then why not just enjoy how good it feels now? Why not just like relax and be happy and enjoy what you're feeling? And um, it was, it sounds like such a like easy shift. But when, when she said that to me, I think it literally changed my life. Like I, I was like, oh yeah, this like worry is not protecting me. This anxiety is not helping me. Like in, in our head, we think that it is right. We think that if I keep worrying and stay so anxious and stay so vigilant, that then my relationship will be better. But that's not true. It's actually the opposite. It's the, of the opposite. Truth. <laughs> You've never been in a relationship with somebody who's really afraid of let, losing that relationship. If they're very anxious about something that has not happened yet, it's disruptive to the love inside of that relationship anyway, because the interactions with that person, instead of them being like calm and fun and sexy and gentle and encouraging and supportive, become high pressure high stress. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. work so hard to make sure everything's perfect with you right now that there's no chance of losing you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when, yeah. when I started to just like breathe and be in each moment, you know, with, with people that I'm with and people that I love, I was like, wow, this feels so much better to just enjoy how good things feel. And it was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I can't even believe I feel this happy in this moment. I don't have to be worrying at the same time. I can just be happy. Can be happy. And in that happiness, you're probably going to do things that make that future breakup less likely to happen, right? Because people <laughs> want to be around you when you're in that warm, happy space. I mean, right. So getting out of that mindset, like the amount of love in your life equals the amount of space that you make for it in your life. Right. So if we're talking about these other relationships. You also need to be a giving partner in this abundance mindset where you are also giving out love and connection and compassion in your relationships in your life. Right. The people you're having sex with, obviously, but also it cascades to all of the other various people who you interact with in a meaningful way on a daily basis. Right. This includes like 
but like love in English, love is a stupid word because it means a million different things and it's too complicated. But like we're talking about love in all of the relationships in your life, not just sexy time love. We're talking about like support love and friendship love and coworker love and love for just people that you see once in a while on the street. And you work on it across all of these different levels. And what you'll find is that like you have a massive capacity, right? Both to love other people and to be loved. Yeah. And with that capacity, I want to say something super nerdy comes great responsibility, right? Like it is like, um, you are constantly giving this as well. Right. And you are, um, also staying observant with who is giving that back to you, you know? And I think that that is something that you want to like be aware of, like, if somebody is not giving you this love back and is not engaging in reciprocity and like sharing of the same generous, abundant love that you are giving, then maybe that's not the person to be focusing all of your love on, right? And so like, can you keep being observant of um, how people treat you and really taking that into account as you know, where you want to spend your energy. Right. And it's not a scorecard. It's not like a tit for tat where I give you some love, you give me some back. It's an overall framework of how you exist. And if there are negative people inside of that framework, then you consider that relationship for what it is and then focus on ones that are more rewarding. Um, So how do we do it? How do we actually get there? So we've been talking a little bit about it. If we could come up with some tips and tricks, what would you do? Um, I have one that I think is really important that I focus on in my everyday life. Uh, So something that's disruptive to abundance mindset is always coming up with a snappy answer right away. Um, And we've been trained most of our life, especially when we're having conversations with other people, when we're talking with our friends or people that we're in relationships with or family, instead of being engaged and fully connecting to the other person and just being open and listening to what they're saying, we're often focused on, well, what do I say back? Like, what do I, like, you're coming up with a response, you're coming up with a question, you're coming up with something like, oh, they feel bad. What can I say to make them feel better? Uh, If you start, if you want to work on this abundance mindset, you need to flip some of that instead. If someone's talking, if someone's had a great day, just listen fully to their story. Don't come up with another response. If someone had a really bad day, don't focus while they're talking on, well, what can I say to make them feel better? Just be in it with them. Give them that moment right? Be in that moment completely with them, exist in that space. And then at the end, when they've had their say, then you can be like, thank you for sharing that with me. And then thoughtfully come up with a response if you need to come up with a response at all. But it's really learning how to listen to people inside of a space where you're not thinking about anything other than what they're saying. You're not coming up with a response, not trying to make them feel better, not trying to come up with a story in response. There's a lot of one-upmanship that happens inside of our relationships where someone tells a story and then you have a story to tell back and the stories go back and forth. But sometimes if you're uh, when you're working on this abundance mindset for love in our relationships, It's about being vested completely in what someone else is saying, listening to them completely, not coming up with a response while they're talking, and then giving yourself a moment to digest afterwards and then responding. It's a different way of relationships and empathy and understanding, but it's really important in this abundance mindset. And it's kind of like 
less about entertaining the other person and engaging with the other person, right? Like that's what a lot of like kind of storytelling is. It's like, oh, let me like, you know, share this little story with you and make you laugh or or give you this like canned version that I have told a hundred times, you know, of my history or something instead of like engaging in a back and forth and allowing um, some of those things to come out in a more natural way. And there's nothing wrong with that, we're, but we're just talking about ways to shift, ways to shift on like how you're building these connections that are allowing for more abundance, allowing for more love, allowing for more freedom in the connection, right? And um, I think that as we like keep trying to shift toward that, we want to just always be conscious of when the scarcity mindset around love, around worthiness pops up. And like keep looking for that, you know, like when you hear that little voice in your head telling you like, oh, I really messed that up because of this one thing I said, or, oh, this is going to all fall apart at any moment. You know, when these little voices come up, like identify them and be like, okay, that's, that's part of the scarcity mindset around love and relationships. I don't want that thought here. It's not helpful to me. And so like, how can I talk back to it? How can I like show some evidence to that thought that it's, it is not true? Like what evidence do I have from my life, from my relationships, from whoever it is that I'm thinking about that shows me that that is just a thought that has come up because of this pattern that I have been taught to exist in? Yeah. And that I love that you're talking about like worthiness, right? Like, are you worthy? Am I worthy? And that little negative voice inside almost all of our heads is going to constantly be telling us that we're not worthy or that there's not enough. Um, and what we see and what we find in our lives and relationships is that if you tell yourself, like, I am worthy and I do like myself and I am worth this love, uh, all of a sudden the people around you Pick up on your worthiness because you're now sending out worthiness and they start filling that void that you might have had. But it's getting rid of those thoughts of I'm not worthy, that like there's this limited capacity or limited quality of love in my life. Um, so you are like you're worth it, right? Like you, you have to tell yourself every time that negative voice comes up, like, no, I am worth it. And even if it's a bad day and there's a horrible breakup or a fight with somebody, none of those things mean that you're not worthy. It means like in that moment that that relationship that you have or had is strained or broken, but that's okay because there are other relationships and you can work on strained relationships to make them better. And if you get into this abundance mindset, it's a lot easier to move relationships forward positively and supportively rather than that relationship in the uh, the stressed out anxiety scarcity model um, where you're letting anxiety and jealousy and manipulation and games and control take over those sort of relationships as well. And, and it's, again, you're, you're not creating that. That's not your fault, right? Like, it's not like you, you have made these, um, bad patterns or relationships in your life. Um, and, and we can keep choosing to move away from them also. So that's what, that's what we're encouraging here is like, is the self-reflection is, you know, what we're constantly talking about. And also like, you know, the, um, way that you want to set your mind and choose to think about things moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I don't know. I think this is an important topic. I do know this is an important topic. Um, <laughs> and moving out of scarcity mindsets for love is not just about sex. It's not just about that perfect one other person, right? It's not about that relationship. It's about building a community of love in your life and finding people in your life who are fulfilling um, and whom you fulfill as well. Uh, and once you start, right? It becomes a natural growth. And then you'll find the people that you know, you're know you able to do this with are connected to other people who are also in the abundance mindset. And all of a sudden, there's a whole army of people around you who are all believing that you know love is not a limited commodity in this world. And love I have enough army. love. I love Ooh. army. <laughs> I should be a and pop artist and call myself love <laughs> army. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, uh, if only I could sing. <laughs> I mean, I love, you know, it is it is applicable to all of our relationships and it's not just romantic relationships, it's our friendships and our communities that we build out of this are what support us through our romantic relationships also, right? And so it is so important to, you know, continually work on how we're showing up in the relationships, how we are responding to hard things, how we are thinking about, you know, how we treat everyone in our lives. And we can create several communities of love around us to support us, right? It's not even just one. We can like be held by so much love, so much abundance of love that it starts to just feel normal and and we just start to believe it. And and that's what we want, right? That's that shift. And it's going to take some time and it's going to take some work and it's going to take some good people who also are in this mindset. There are there have to be people out there who without, you know, th the process. There there have to just be some like natural love uh economy or like non-scarcity, like like looking at uh love in the abundance mindset. Like and if you're one of those people, like send us a DM because I want to just chat to you. Like how did you end up in this point <laughs> in your life? Um but it does take work. Um and I think there's one more really really important thing um and it's like RuPaul, how the hell are you going to love anyone else if you don't love yourself? Like loving yourself is really important and learning to love yourself is really key to this abundance mindset. Because if you love yourself, then you find yourself worthy. And that sort of feedback loop already happens. We're not talking about narcissism. We're talking about like, you know, I am worthy and I do love myself and I love my relationships and I love my body and I love the space that I exhibit and I love that I'm able to make the world a better place uh, by interacting with all of these lovely people surrounding me. So... All right. Any any final thoughts before we close out this episode? Um, I just want to encourage everybody to like just take a deep breath and tell yourself that you love yourself right in this moment. As Andrew was saying that, I could feel like the beauty in those words. And um, I would encourage you to say like, I love you and then say your name to yourself. Like when your mind hears your name, it like sounds like an outer person, you know, saying it and your brain is more likely to believe it. So like I would say to myself, I love you spring. So I'm just going to be quiet for a moment so you can say those words to yourself. I love you spring too. Right. I love you too. And I, we love you all. And I hope you all have big smiles on your face after telling yourselves that you love yourselves. And thank you so much for being here with us today.
Thanks for listening, everybody. If you have any questions about this episode or any follow-up questions about anything else regarding sex, sexual health, relationships, we would love to hear from you. Um, <laughs> you can call us at 413-I-RAP-IT. That's RAP with the W-W-R-A-P. Um, you can email us. We're thesexrap at gmail.com. And you should definitely check out our social media at The Sex Rap. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just two of music for this episode provided by the ever elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.